When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. White Sox fans, indeed, many of us have not stopped believing through (laughs) 22 attempts at being elected to the Hall of Fame, 15 general ballots from the baseball writers, another seven from the various small breakaway (laughs) committees. Uh, Minnie Mignoso has finally been elected as of today, earlier today. Uh, yesterday, as this as this publishes, Minnie Minoso is in the Hall of Fame, earning 14 of 16. Still couldn't get unanimous, but 14 of 16. He cleared the bar by two votes this time. Made himself uh, his his case has finally been heard for the Hall of Fame. Too late for Minnie, of course, but we'll get to that. Uh, with me on podcast number 76. It's not number 76. It's number 77. I'm not rewinding. We're not editing this thing. We just roll, man. Welcome. My name is Brett Valentini, hosting Southside Sox Mothership Podcast number 77. We are talking Hall of Fame. The announcements today that Minnie Minoso is in the Hall of Fame. With me is Adrian Serrano, and he's hopping in and out. Uh, So I think Joe Reese is going to be with us, but he's sort of like he's playing cat and mouse with us right now. So if you're watching... Hey, yeah, there's no Joe, but maybe he'll come back. Uh, Adrian, uh, thank you for uh, joining us. And again, no I think problem. it's important to say right at the top that Adrian's <laughs> part of Adrian's, if you're watching, part of Adrian's Socks of Us Miracle uh, has been granted. If you recall our article from I don't know, a month or so ago, uh, yeah. Adrian, of course, he shot high by not just getting many in the Hall of Fame, but getting him playing again for the white Sox. We don't know that's not going to happen either, but at least part of your miracle has been granted and uh, we're all pretty happy for it, Adrian. Yeah, no, I mean, I'm definitely glad that um, he's finally going to get the recognition and he's going to be in the museum. Um, I think one of his uh, family members had a quote today. It was something like, I wish that he would have been able to, uh, you know, be here to enjoy this, but like, I'm glad that he is going to be remembered forever. And like, I think that's kind of where I'm at. I'm very happy for him that he's going to get the recognition and then people are going to learn about him in the future. But, you know, to me, he's always been a hall of famer. He's just now going to be in the museum. Um, and that's good. And I still will not forgive the gatekeeping that kept him out for as long as he was. Yeah. Adrian, not to reveal too much of my heathen, nature. There's probably a lot of sentiment today. Uh, and I want to acknowledge something like this in the piece I put up announcing him uh, has, as making, as having made the hall of fame about how maybe Minnie's looking down now and he knows in the hall of fame. So, all right, well, let's dismiss that. 
We don't know that that's happening. We don't know that Minnie has a connection to Earth. But what we can say mm. is Minnie passed away. Minnie knew for a long time. And this is something you've continued to say. And Minnie has known for a long time. And he died knowing he was a Hall of Famer. So it's good that the rest of us, has caught, the rest of us have caught up with that. And particularly yeah. the baseball writers. Uh, Joe, it's good news today. I presume you are uh, beside yourself with happiness that Minnie is finally in the Hall of Fame. Extremely, yes. Uh... Like you said, it is very unfortunate that it took as long as it did and it couldn't be done while he was with us uh, and he couldn't experience the happiness of knowing that he was inducted. But it is certainly better late than never and might as well be now if it hadn't been done already. I'm, he was very deserving, had such a great legacy, um, outstanding player. And yeah, I was very happy when the announcement was made. I, I was optimistic about it. I mean, obviously cautiously, because you could never know for sure with the way that the voting has gone in the past. But I did have a positive feeling heading into today's voting that he was going to clear the 75% threshold. And I am yeah, thrilled that it, the day has finally come for him. It's sad, guys, with uh, with the way it's set up, with just 16 people at this point, once you're off of your 15 ballots or however many you were on uh, at the at the at large balloting. I mean, some guys fall off before 15. Uh, Once that's done, you're really dependent on these smaller committees, how often you get on, how often you come back up. And really, then it comes down to this dozen, 16 people, whatever, a small group deciding and it's sad you have to look at this way, look at it this way. But once the voters were revealed, I had a better feeling about Minnie making it, whatever his momentum was, realizing some of the people who would be making the decision in the same way you might have thought, hey, Harold Baines will never make the Hall of Fame. But if he ever was going to, it's going to be when Tony Larusa and Jerry Reinsdorf are on the committee voting. Yeah. You could look at this makeup and say, hey, there's a decent chance and it's good to see that. Uh, not only did he barely, you know, barely clear it. I mean, he made it with a whole, you know, two votes to spare, which means, I mean, it might as well make that practically unanimous in a group like this with, let's not forget, a lot of other very legitimate candidates, certainly more than the majority of 10, 10 uh, players and managers are worthy of the Hall of Fame and will eventually be in the Hall of Fame. That's a tough ballot. You really almost have yeah. to you almost have to talk with each other to say, okay, this is who we're getting in now. Um, what factor do you guys think uh, the recognition this year of the Negro Leagues as major leagues, which in a small way may have shed additional light on many, certainly got them over 2,000 career hits. Mm. Uh, I tend to think it's fairly minor, but it certainly couldn't have hurt getting that acknowledgement and having all this come together at the end of the year. It definitely took away a little bit of the argument of anybody in the past who had not voted for him that would say like, oh, he's really close, but like he just missed on some of this stuff, like ignoring all of the facts about, you know, the reality of his situation was not like everybody else. Um, You know, his career started off in a different way than it would have started off had he been a different skin complexion, you know, like, and that's just the fact. Um, So like to hold him to, to have those numbers be the actual, like, you know, the, what gets you and it doesn't get you in, like the Negro league numbers did help him, but really like, I think it added something like, you know, 140 games or something to like, if he wasn't already, he shouldn't be, you know, like, it's just like, it's, it's, it's all a game. And even these um, committee votes, the fact that there have a certain number of votes they can vote for and not just like, let's use these committees to get people in who should be in and not worry about, 
you know, some kind of voting system. I, I don't really know what their goal is at the end of the day. Like we talked about in the last podcast, like, is their goal to get people into the Hall of Fame or to keep people out of the Hall of Fame? And they kind of need to decide that going forward because they're going to constantly have issues like this coming up. Um, you know, a big part of them pushing for some of these guys that are still alive to get in, like Jim Cott got in, you know, you could argue whether he deserves or not, you know, uh, did a lot less in 25 years than some other guys did in, you know, 15, 18 years. Mm-hmm. Um, you're talking about Burley. Everybody wants to say Burley's on the fringe. Burley looking against Jim Cott, like, looks pretty good, you know? So, like, and he didn't take 25 years to do it, you know? Right. So, um, so I don't, I don't understand really where their bars are. It's like, who's deciding and when seems a little bit random um, to me, but uh, I, I don't, I don't really care. I don't, I don't need it to be yeah. the most uh, exclusive club. I like seeing the guys enjoy it. I like seeing the guys represented. I like yeah. talking about baseball. Like the more guys get in, the more we talk about baseball yeah. and I don't want to see how that's a bad thing. Yeah. You're, you're begging my next question here, Adrian. We're going to get to sort of the bad news of today in the second half, but let's continue on with uh, another good initiative made by this particular group of 16, which again, must've clearly communicated in a way they, they, the committees in the past have not communicated with one another um, to sort of get together and, you know, create, I don't know, voting blocks to get guys in. It's very rare, if not unprecedented for a maximum, the maximum four guys uh, mm-hmm. got in, uh, pretty much all votes were used. I think a few of the 16 voters, if any left votes on the table, meaning everybody uh, put four votes out. I want to say maybe there were three short of a maximum vote. So they did the right thing. And you, you sort of led with uh, talking Jim Cobb, but two of, as I think a lot of people anticipated another wrong righted in addition to Mini Mignoso finally getting his all of fame is mm-hmm. The, the hall voters getting their act together enough to start getting guys in while they're still alive to appreciate it. Clearly Jim Cott and Tony Oliva were not three and four or one and two or two and three on the list of most worthy guys. Uh, but what the group did probably again, collectively was get together and say, okay, there are three living candidates on this ballot. One in Maury Wills is, is probably not close to up to snuff in the same way. Let's make mm-hmm. sure we at least get one of these living candidates. And in fact, they ended up getting two. So that's another right wrong where it ended up creating some perhaps discomfort for people who said, hey, listen, the four best didn't get in. Well, mm-hmm. two of the three living guys got in, and that has to be considered a victory as well. Joe, you've been in and out, but your thoughts on that? Yes, I was... Um, it's very few votes were wasted and that was a good thing. Like the votes were allocated in such a way that um, quite a few players just barely got to 12. Like there were no unanimous, um, um, like no one got all 16 yes votes. Minosa was the closest with 14 out of the 16. So yeah, I I did like that part of it. Certainly It, it was a, good way to make sure that there were you know with the exception of Allen um everyone who was close to getting in did get in um and that at least was good um and um as far as yeah like you said um having the bulk of the candidates who got who got uh, the 75% being um alive that's 
I'm not sure how much of a priority that should be, but that is something certainly. Yes. Yeah, and what's interesting, guys, is we see the we see the we see the balloting pretty much all the exact balloting for both committees. These two committees were different. The early mm-hmm. baseball committee clearly didn't um, um, vote collectively the way the golden era did because you saw yeah. a lot more uh, separate. You saw a lot more spread. Uh, uh, you could yeah. argue voters threw more votes away because they were mm-hmm. voting for. They just went ahead and voted for their. Four, which under normal circumstances in a ballot, even like the current uh, 2022 ballot, which has, I think, 30 players, all of them good. Some of them clearly not going to be Hall of Famers, uh, whether elected or even eventually not going to be Hall of Famers. You get a little bit of separation because you got guys who are like, you know, okay to guys who should be in the Hall of Fame with these uh, these, you know, these veterans ballots. They're packed. You almost have to get together and say, even though it doesn't maybe feel right, you know, you're sharing like your presidential vote with everyone else. You know, you are having this sort of convention atmosphere that says, okay, this is the way we have to do. And clearly the, the, the golden days era, whatever it's called, uh, those guys did do that. And, and, you know, uh, kudos to them uh, for that. But, you know, again, Adrian, we're getting more people. I think you've already sort of led with this, but you're getting more people in the hall of fame. And at this point it's more, let's get people in with this backlog than, well, it should yeah. be in this order. Because yeah, when you're when you're dealing with these veteran committees voting, you're dealing everybody on the ballot has somebody that has a case that they were snubbed on the actual ballot or they weren't brought up for reasons. You know, guys like Buck O'Neill and Bud Fowler like mean more to baseball than they did as players or even managers. Like their story means more to baseball. Like Minnie Minoso was a character that had both. His story means a lot to baseball and he was a great player, you know. So there's ways to get people in that aren't necessarily the, you know, by the book, you hit these numbers for this long, you're a hall of famer. Um, I mean, at this point, like I wouldn't be, if they really want to make a point to like right the wrongs and get more people living into the hall of fame, like I'm for that. Mm-hmm. I just don't want it to be at the expense of others. Like if you want to do a, you know, posthumous separate category, you know, like I, I would understand that. Like, and just so that you're not having to make these choices, you're not having to, you know, you're making up for Dick Allen and Minnie Minoso dying before you can get them in by getting people in over Dick Allen. Like, right. so I, I, I don't have any, I, I, like, I'm not worried. Like I know Dick Allen will be eventually, right. but like, why wait? Why keep waiting? Yeah. Like, I don't understand. There shouldn't be, you shouldn't have to have, a, if this guy's in, then this guy can't be in. Like, are they both hall of famers? Then they should both be in. That's how the system should be made. Not there shouldn't be something at the expense of anybody else. Yeah. And there's no rule that says like it, you, you can only, here's what the ballot is and, and you're going to vote for this percentage of people. If you look at the current ballot uh, at the at-large ballot, uh, you can do a maximum of 10 votes. I think there are 30 guys on the ballot. So that's one third for these committees. It's uh, it's 40% because it's, you can vote for a maximum of four guys out of 10. There's no set amount. And given the backlog, given, I think we're all coming other yeah. than the hardest of the hardliners who think yeah. it should only be like 100 people in the Hall of Fame. I think we've all come to realize there's a backlog and whether you want to blame some of it on like steroid era or whatever, there's a backlog of guys. We've got to get some guys in the Hall of Fame, especially now. Negro League is a major league. It's just a bit. It's a yeah. bigger and bigger pool to elect. And if even temporarily until it's like, wow, we can't find a Hall of Fame candidate until we reach that point. You know, waving the idea that it can only be this this many guys, realizing you know that out of um, sixteen voters, you know one of them would have used five votes to choose Dick Allen and get Dick Allen in this time around. Adrian, yeah. I think as you pointed out, there was such a separation where it's clearly 
these five guys were sort of agreed on. And then there was yeah, another you, group that wasn't, you know, wasn't exactly. close. You got the vibe that even though Minoso wasn't, you know, quote unquote, you know, unanimous, you got a, a vibe that they talked enough that like those two people that didn't vote for him didn't not believe he was a Hall of Famer. They just believed he had enough support to get it. So they chose to use it for somebody else, whether it be Gil Hodges or, you know, somebody else, you know, that was more on the fence as far as like, will he or won't he get in? Um all right, let's uh, pause here for a break. We're going to talk about some of the harder lessons of today's election and maybe a little bit about even our Southside Sox veteran election. I'm here with Adrian Serrano and uh, Where's Waldo for this podcast. It is uh, Joseph Reeses. We will be back in a minute to talk uh, some of the downside of today's voting. Hey, White Sox fans. My name is Brett Palatini. It is Southside Sox podcast. Oh, I'm going to get the number right. Number 77. It is the Hall of Fame podcast. We'll probably have others because we got more voting going on. But this is the one that happened on Sunday. Uh, we got the results for the early uh, early days ballot, which had very little connection other than maybe Josh Donaldson to the White Sox. And then, of course, a lot of White Sox content in the golden era, I believe, five, four or five connections uh, directly to the White Sox, guys who wore the uniform one elected in Mini Minoso, and one with a near miss. Now, I think for the second straight election uh, in Dick Allen, who received just 11 votes of, from 16 voters, uh, falling one short of election. And uh, it's rough for all the good things about this ballot, including overriding four guys getting in. Uh, Dick Allen falls short again when there was felt to be a lot of momentum. When I talked with Aaron, uh, Adam Dorowski uh, on our, our bigger uh, ballot discussion, where we talked an hour or so about uh, the Golden Days era and whatever, his, his feeling was there was more, more momentum for Allen. And then he also would be the one who would have to wait. And it turned out to sort of just barely reverse today. Uh, thoughts, guys, on uh, Dick Allen uh, just coming so close but falling short? It's very unfortunate. I am so strongly in favor of him getting in. He would have certainly had my vote. I would have given him multiple votes if I could, really. Um, I mean, yeah, to win Rookie of the Year and MVP, um, being a seven-time All-Star, finishing top 10 in MVP voting three times. I mean, just an outstanding hitter and um i mean really i mean the defensive numbers aren't as friendly of him but it's just not enough to make him not a hall of famer i mean it's i feel like it's a pretty open and shut case and it's yeah i'm not really that surprised um i in a very recent podcast we um I, i predicted that Allen would not have quite enough support and turned out to be just barely correct, unfortunately, on it. Um, so not really surprised, but yeah, a little bit disappointed um, in in the final outcome there. Yeah, so, you know, we are talking about the good that happened. The good that happened is Minoso's in, um, you know, Bud Fowler, Buck O'Neill being represented. But the system is still broken, and Dick Allen is the rep now, the poster child of why it's still broken. Like, there's, on, there's arguably nothing that you know Gil Hodges did that Dick Allen didn't do a little better. Um, you know, like he played more years, so like some of the counting stats are a tiny bit higher. But like, Dick Allen did it all better than he did. Almost every category you can look in, like, uh, 
Dick Allen averaged over five war a season. Like, like that's unbelievable. Like had he played longer, had he not had the, you know, the issues where he, you know, didn't get along necessarily with some of the, uh, you know, the management staffs that he was on those teams. Like, you know, maybe we're talking about a guy that's, you know, 65, 70 war. Um, just the fact that that guy is not in the hall of fame, but like, you know, just this, the makeup we talked about earlier of the committee just lean towards Gil Hodges instead for no, no particular reason that you could really find except for that's they felt that he was, you know, the one they were on a mission to get him in, you know, so the same, like we talk, I mean, Jim Cott, like, I don't, I just don't see Jim Cott as a hall of famer personally. Um, but I understand them trying to get somebody living in, um, it's unfortunate that Jim Cott's most recent, like, uh, famous thing was uh, a very unfortunate, you know, semi-racist comment on a national telecast. And now we're going to have him share the spotlight with Buck O'Neill and Bud Fowler and Minnie Minoso, you know, who came in and made the game different, you know, and really fought against the beliefs that, you know, uh, this guy is representing most recently in the media. Um, but, yeah, the system still is leaves a lot to be desired. but like. I'm glad to see some of them making some effort to make it better. One way, Adrian, I will, I will correct you. One way that Gil Hodges outpaced Dick Allen was connection with the baby boomers. And that doesn't hurt. I know that didn't necessarily represent the makeup, although it probably did represent most of the makeup of voters. Uh, you know, there is some lore and legend and, and Gil Hodges even though you're supposed to, they're separate silos, you know, he had managerial success, of course, uh, and of course, playing success, um, neither uh, in and of themselves probably merit a Hall of Fame election. If you put them together, I think you can maybe barely get there, but you're not supposed to put them together. So yeah, interesting. I mean, of course, I think he's, um, he's the last guy, at least for one more election, who has polled more than 50% in general elections who had not yet made the hall of fame. So he was this weird outlier where it's like a lot of people really felt strong about him, but just not enough. Uh, and eventually all those, all those situations are corrected. I mean, Hodges, I think in this last time he was up, got three or three or three or fewer votes. So, I mean, yeah, honestly, we out of nowhere. We sound like, yeah, we sound a bit like a Homerish, like going for Dick Allen with the White Sox connections. But like Ken Boyer has the same exact argument to have over, you know, Gil Hodges. Like, why not Ken Boyer then? You know, so like, I don't understand if just vote for everybody that you think is a Hall of Famer. Like, they shouldn't have to pick one against the other. You know, it's not to pit these guys that are on the ballot, especially these ballots, because these ballots, like I said, are mostly people that have been passed over or, you know, victims of the system as is like the system works most of the time but they're it's set up in a way that people like Kenny Lofton are not on the ballot after the first year you know with 68 war or something like so like those guys need to have a way to get in and it shouldn't be so limited um, as they are and in Dick Allen's case is something I, I wanted to bring out in the story as well, because I had to prep something that was was ready to have both guys get in because that was, a, I mean, it was within a vote of, of actually happening. So it was certainly a likelihood. And those are the two, you know, biggest realistic Sox candidates to get in. And, you know, the thing to point out that's that I think has some merit is uh, through the eyes of the 2020s, you see Dick Allen, most people see Dick Allen, certainly newer fans see Dick Allen in a different light. Mm -hmm. uh, there's a lot more credit given the, what he had to go through as a black player. 
And mm-hmm. also, I think a little bit more positive attention given, uh, uh, certainly courtesy via uh, um, uh, Chuck Tanner, his manager with Chicago, for the leadership that uh, no one would have ever thought he, sh- he showed, unless you played with him. He never mm-hmm. had a reputation of a guy who could be a leader, who could stand up for, for things, aside from maybe himself and the issues he was facing, which was enough. The idea yeah. that as a veteran player, um, he sort of spread out some goodwill. Goodwill isn't necessarily something you ever associated with Dick Allen, given how he was covered coming up. Seeing him through the eyes today, which I think are fresher eyes and fairer eyes, I think makes it an in- inevitability. I mean, we already know it is just inevitable. He came within one vote. It's going to happen. But yeah. his case just gets built in a, in a fuller, fuller and fairer way. Uh, so that momentum is there in so many ways, you can easily see him being the Minoso of, of whatever the, maybe it's a few years from now, mm-hmm. the next um, similar ballot, because he does have that momentum building, even though he just fell just short. Yeah. He just, he just missed, he, like I said, I'm not worried, like he's going to be, but yeah, he is definitely like, I think, you know, once you get out of, I mean, he was, he definitely played in the sixties as well, but like, there's just the thing about, you know, kind of in that vein of a Barry Bonds where like when the, media doesn't like you and the reporters don't like you like that makes a difference and you either have to like go so far above that that they can't deny it or you have to play their game and dick allen was a much earlier in you know the world of not wanting to play their game and kind of been punished for it since then you know like he's got this they painted him in a certain way that you know his teammates and his coach didn't see him as you know but like everybody that had a memory of it feels that he was this kind of like troublemaker, but you know, it just didn't seem to be true as you know, we are younger generation are looking back and saying like all the information we have doesn't match that, (laughs) you know, the the way he was portrayed by the media. And Joe, let's take another, uh, another positive spin from a negative result. Um, Billy Pierce, the, I guess you could argue the, the third, probably second most white Sox uh, guy on this ballot did not even finish with as many as uh, four votes. He's in that three or fewer category. But in seeing that Minoso, the second best hitter, uh, second most productive hitter in the American League in the 50s, finally getting his due, does that bode well at all in the future for Billy Pierce, who is the second most productive uh, pitcher in the AL for the 50s and, and an incredibly dominant pitcher and a very underrated pitcher. Uh, do you think his narrative starts to broaden so that there can eventually be a momentum for him to be a Hall of Famer? Do you think he's a guy who just will never be able to build enough of a case? I hope so. Um, I would say yeah, he'll he'll have a little bit more momentum. He won't be at the bottom of the ballot forever. I mean, you know, in this you know bottom category of getting fewer than four votes. Um, do I think he ever gets in? I, I'm going to lean toward no, um, just because I think his overall, he had a very good career. There just weren't, with the, maybe the exception of 1955, not a lot of seasons that really jumped off the page for him. Um, kind of reminds me a little bit of Mark Burley uh, from that perspective. Um, yeah, in 55, Pierce finished 18th in MVP voting. That was before Cy Young was a thing. Um, and that was fourth among pitchers. He led the, the majors in ERA that year, but three pitchers due to wi- looks like win-loss record yeah. got more MVP votes than he did. Um, because he only went 15 and 10, um, despite due to the lack of run support, but any, but, uh, 
Yeah, like I think that just due to the lack of like superstar seasons, um, he wasn't all star seven times, but I mean, I, I think there's like a little bit of a, a lack of a, a like dominance factor that um, maybe some other candidates might have. And when we're, when a lot of the candidates are kind of being pitted up against one another, um, I'm not quite sure if he has that much appeal um, to beat out some other um, top quality candidates. And yeah, Pierce would get my vote. And um, I I just, I'm a little bit skeptical as far as um, him making the big leap from less than 25% all the way up to 75%. I do not like your recent trend of negative, bad predictions coming true, Joe. I'm going to break away from it. I'm going to say that, yes, it is going to happen, but it could be. It could be years from now. I mean, these votes only can, there's not a yearly vote, so it's going to take a while. But here's a question I'm going to swing over to Adrian, and maybe back to you, Joe. I think both these guys are going to get in, and they're very similar. They're, they're arguably the two, certainly modern era, the two greatest left-handers in White Sox history. Mark Burley's going to make the Hall of Fame one day. It could be committees. It could be years from now. Billy Pierce is going to make the Hall of Fame. Adrian, who's going to make the Hall of Fame first? Um, who's going to make the Hall of Fame first is probably going to be Billy Pierce. It's going to take a committee with somebody that's got ties to the White Sox because I think uh, I think Billy <laughs> that's Pierce how it works. <laughs> I think Billy Pierce is one of those guys that is punished most for being very good on a White Sox team in a White Sox organization that just wasn't very good very often. Like you know, we still talk about it now to this day. Like White Sox didn't win a lot of actual you know playoffs and so like the the nationwide story like nationwide they don't really know who billy pierce was like you know we as the fan base know who billy pierce is and his numbers hold up and if you show anybody that you're like oh that guy was really good like well yeah but like that notoriety of the player does make a difference and billy pierce just kind of one of those guys that was just quietly very good um for a long time or at least mark burley had the you know he popped his head out of the sand for the one year as a uh, world series champion you know so like it's a little more notoriety but yeah i mean if Jim Codd is getting in off of his 16 gold gloves, then Mark Burley should be in pretty easily. You know, like if your biggest accomplishment is, uh, you know, just making all-star games and winning gold gloves, like, well, Mark Burley's got that and he did it better than uh, Jim Codd for less years. So that he's going to be a Hall of Famer at some point. It's just how long is he going to have to wait? You know, what what hoops is he going to have to dr- jump through and how many years is he going to have to be deceased before it happens? <laughs> So I'll, I'll slightly rephrase the question then, Joe, because you have now said that uh, you don't think Billy Pierce will be elected. And even though you'd vote for him, do you think then, do you think Mark, Mark Burley will ever be in the Hall of Fame? I'm going to say no, but I really hope I'm wrong about that. Um, if, if I, if forced to pick which one will be, will get there first, I would say Pierce though. Um, yeah, I think he's Burley just he just because he's just super new to the process. These things take a lot of time sometimes. I I would say Pierce would have a higher chance of getting elected first. 
It's Southside Sox podcast number 77. I am Mr. Sunshine, your host, Brett Valentini, thinking everybody's going to get into the Hall of Fame. We got Grinch Reese's down there saying nobody getting in. Adrian's not really sure. He thinks nobody's heard of the 50s White Sox, even though they never had a losing season for pretty much all of Billy Pierce's career. Uh, so listen, Mr. Sunshine coming at you and coming at you hard. Let's wind this thing up, guys, by talking a little bit about our Southside Sox veterans ballot, which is a little different because we've already, because we're smart <laughs> and maybe home. We've already elected Minnie Mignoso in our first veterans election and Dick Allen in our second veterans election. Well, the third election came around and nobody had really even close to enough support to clear that 75% bar. And in part because of something we talked about maybe up top, and that's because the ballot is small and it's stacked. You got 10 guys, in our case, all 10 guys in my book, all 10 guys I put on that ballot should be in the Hall of Fame. That becomes too hard a task for voters because there's going to be somebody who says, hey, you know, this guy really made an impact. Uh, um, Fred Lynn made a great impact. I mean, he's going to get one of my four votes. So the, the, the solution with such a backlog of guys, I've counted up probably roughly, even with with a big hall standard, probably 100 people who could be in the Hall of Fame who aren't in the Hall of Fame right now. And that doesn't Mm -hmm. even include the current ballot. So there's a backlog. So the solution would be either maybe don't don't have a maximum number of votes, which maybe gets a little kooky because who knows, maybe then you just decide to just click the whole, you know, you vote the whole ticket, whatever. Mm -hmm. Um, Or um, break up these ballots a little bit more. My thought was to go by decade, but uh, and and broaden them enough to maybe approach what the current, the yearly election is, which is always, it seems like it's always low twenties to now this year, 30 guys on the ballot sprinkling people that you don't think are necessarily um, locks for the hall of fame guys who maybe hall are very good guys who are close, you know, maybe the Tory hunters of the world who are borderline cases and, and in today's climate would not be hall of famers. Um, but it's something, I think the, the hall of fame itself, let's, let's wrap it back to the hall of fame and that there you think, do you think they can continue to go with these types of uh, committees for the short, I and mean, even, even with four guys elected here, that leaves at least another four worthy people just sitting waiting. And you know, they're adding more names next election. These are such thick ballots. Uh, are they ever going to be able to sort of like flush out this bad clog of candidates in order to sort of catch up and have normal elections again? Um, probably not. Uh, <laughs> just the way it is. And also those uh, those fifties White Sox were very good, but they only made the playoffs one time. So <laughs> it's what it is, you know. Like it's just White Sox, uh, as good as the White Sox can be, uh, while only making the playoffs one time in true White Sox fashion. Um, I think, uh, yeah, I, I agree with you. I think they have to kind of redefine the way that this is like. They continue to think back on baseball as like this. 20 year period that doesn't exist anymore from like, you know, you know, 1920 to 1940. Like this is like, it's like every era of baseball was radically different and the way it was played is different. Like, why are we holding everybody to the same standards? Like, it's just, it, it doesn't make any sense as to why um, they choose to view baseball as like only one thing and not like, what I love about baseball is anything can happen anytime you watch it. Like it's constantly different. It's constantly new. There's always new things to see. It's like there's a beauty in baseball is changing and adapting over the years and they need to 
get on board with that before <laughs> you know it's ever going to change uh but i i would like to see them kind of revisit the way that they do this and uh and hopefully get some of these people recognition before it's too late joe how do you think it would change could change should change. Uh, it, it does seem like we are going to be stuck with a, a real clog of great candidates uh, f- forever for, for some time. I think the idea of increasing the number of votes that each voter can give is a good place to start. Um, like when there are more than 10 worthy candidates on the ballot. Uh, I, I think it's a little bit rough having to narrow down the options um, and you know, kind of being forced to raise, um, uh, like when a voter has to raise their standards to um, fill in their, their ballot, it's not, we're not getting the best results in that case. And I think that would be a good place to start. Um, and you know, so that would, I think, be my serious idea. My, my like meme idea would be to just replace some p- players who we know are going to wind up a, a little bit short just with like completely meme options. <laughs> like, I don't know, Adam LaRoche. <laughs> uh, they, they can, uh, <laughs> I don't know. And so, yeah, they, who knows? Like, I mean, they could, yeah, the meme players who obviously aren't going to make it, they can, you know, say, they can put that on their resume and be like, hey, I made it onto the Hall of Fame ballot. <laughs> yeah, because I guess, like, earlier, Brett, you said, like, all right, well, the worry is, like, if you could vote for everybody on the ballot, some people would just vote for everybody. But, like, but, like, what's the downside of that? Like, obviously, not everybody's going to do that. So, for everybody, every jerk that's going to only vote for five people when they have 10 votes, yeah. like, there's going to be one guy that votes for the everybody, and it's going to it's going to balance each other that, out. That's just it. That is a silly concern, Adrian, because you're right. People sell, they, they're so self important. It's not like me or you or Joe doing this. They're so yeah. self important about it. They're going to gatekeep themselves. I mean, look at the John Hyman uh, uh, ballot just recently, or the Joe Cowley ballot. It's just insipid yeah. balance. I mean, I know there's not one right one, but there are ones that that are writer that are like, yeah, or at least okay. Like, and once they're like, like what are you them, doing? I'd like to see them have a pre-ballot of like, as far as like the players falling off the ballot, I'd like to see them like, all right, let this ballot, you could vote for as many people as you want. Who's going to be on the actual ballot. Right. Like, I think that shouldn't be, you shouldn't have to pick against other people just because a bunch of good players retired all at the same time. Yeah. You know, you should continue to be on the ballot as if you're worth consideration for the hall of fame so maybe some kind of pre-ballot to be to make the ballot that doesn't have the limitations and then limit the actual ballot still the, the current way or adjust it a bit i think there's ways to work it better yeah. than they are that's actually something we did for last year's veterans ballot we did like a huge one to determine the ballot and i think the only reason uh i dropped that is because i'm doing it and I'm, it's murdering me and i just you know there's no if I got a penny in the box every time somebody voted, okay, maybe, but I don't. So it's like, I want to live, so I can't do that again. Uh, but yeah, that's a sound principle as well. And certainly this arbitrary, well, 15 years in your off or whatever, I get the like the 5% or whatever minimum you got to clear makes sense, uh, certainly. And, I, you know, what we're leaning to now, bringing it back to Southside Sox, we probably are going to break it down by deck. We're going to break it down in some way. We're going to uh, water down the ballot, even though I'm certain people will, you know, say, you know, Brian Downing's a Hall of Famer or whatever. And by the way, you know, he is. Uh, 
Um, you know, so that we can just maybe have, we're going to at least give one more run at a veterans election. If people still don't like people. Okay, fine. You guys are stingy. You guys are troublesome. You guys are complicated and we'll just elect nobody this year, but uh, we'll have that coming out maybe in a week or so. Uh, I want to thank Adrian and Joe here on Southside Sox podcast number 77. Oh, we've got some other good ones in store probably as soon as this week. So we will be back uh, once again, probably sooner than you're ready for life. Take care, everybody.